everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. It is 2018 now, which I realize it also was last week, but it's actually 2018 at the time of recording. <laughs> so not just the time that you're hearing this. So we're still kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it's January 1st. We've um, already abandoned all of our New Year's resolutions. We've already gained back the 40 pounds that we lost at the gym this morning. And so... Uh, you know, but but of anything, we're we're willing to throw our own personal health and our own aspirational goals to the wind, but we won't let down our <laughs> our weird little podcast project that we've, against all odds, <laughs> maintained for uh, just over half a year now. We've we've just hit that uh, landmark kind of er- earlier last month. So let's go twenty eighteen. It's the year of playwright, the year that we're finally going to break through the big time and uh, see where we can take it. Anyways, my name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q and H. We are 2018. We're sacrificing our time, our bodies. And our children. Our children. <laughs> They're going to be sort of held over a pit that we've constructed. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into too much detail because there's obviously legal implications there. Well, they say that the most important part of the creative process is being able to kill your babies. So I feel like as a creative podcast, we have to lead by example. It's time to kill those babies. We have to first make the babies. Uh And then just get rid of them. Why did we make them in the first place? (laughs) Seems like there's too many already. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm glad we are getting into this. This is horrible. But you know what? New rule. (laughs) 2018. If you are a couple of men. If you are. That's right. New rules. If you are a couple (laughs) of people thinking about having a child, you're allowed one, two at max. That's a replacement of your carbon footprint. And then no more. I am tired of sitting in traffic. I'm tired of fighting people (laughs) at uh, at getting tickets to movies and going to restaurants. This is a good way for us to really pare down and Mm. and be lean and mean going into the the new decade. And for all of our listeners in China, just kind of keep on doing what you're doing. You've got it. You've got it down. Crushing it, aren't they? China is crushing it. And enjoy all of your Tencent games that seem to be making buku bucks in your market. <laughs> ah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, speaking of games, let's go ahead and pitch some of our own. We're moving into a new year, so uh, you've actually had uh, quite a few weeks of uh, absence from the podcast. Not only did you um, were you replaced by a guest last week because you were on vacation, but you also uh, recorded the week previous. Uh, a few weeks in advance. So you've been, you know, on vacation, being able to clear your mind and take in new experiences and ideas. So I expect these to this one to be uh, just as fresh as anything you've ever pitched before. Well, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but disappoint me in the best possible way. Okay. So my pitch to you this week, H, is I would like to have a Dark Souls-esque two-player co-op fighting game so imagine you are negotiating and moving through through the world i think uh, a game that came out recently called absolver did something Mm -hmm. like this where you're kind of moving around in a dark souls like way encountering um bad guys and people to fight um maybe the moveset isn't quite as complex as absolver but 
it's you and a friend on this journey together. And actually the AI that you encounter is able to sort of karate both of you at the same time uh, and handle two uh, opponents at once. Maybe there's even world events where multiple people, uh, multiple teams have to come together and all fight one particular bad guy. Uh, Originally, this pitch was going to be something I attached a franchise to. Mm -hmm. So I was going to make this a Mortal Kombat, a really interesting reboot of the original Mortal Kombat (laughs) idea. But um, then I started thinking about it in Tekken and Street Fighter-like fictions, and it seemed just as interesting to me. So maybe we apply one of those, maybe we don't, but that is the nature of Playwright. So that's my pitch. All right, let's start the clock. Yeah, so between... Absolver, as you as you've mentioned, and then uh, For Honor of last year, those both mm. seem to fit the Dark Souls but multiplayer fighting game uh, type of of niches, and so I'm kind of not really fully grasping what it is at this point. What kind of hole you're you're seeing that needs to be filled? What what is this going to be doing that's different than the ones that we've seen from uh, from the last couple of years? Well, when I originally started thinking of it through the lens of Mortal Kombat, I was thinking specifically how it goes beyond simply a short range game of like approaching the enemy and actually having a like slow paced punch kick block system. Hmm. Whereas like in, in a lot of games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, there's a lot of projectiles happening. So, um, like a magic spell in Dark Souls, I think there's interesting things you could do um, from a long range perspective, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what your abilities are. And the idea of fatalities obviously coming into, or especially environmental fatalities coming into the mix where perhaps you're fighting in a precarious location and then you find yourself able to, you know, kick an enemy straight into a wall of spikes uh, to murder them would be uh, really interesting. I think it moment to moment uh, might feel similar to Absolver, but I was thinking more along the lines of what could a long or medium range sort of experience mm. be and uh, what what kind of interesting things could you do from an environmental destruction standpoint? Okay, to kind of put down a couple of uh, touch points for the conversation, there are 2D fighting games that take place in a 3D plane, uh, like you see the Soul Calibers or the uh, Virtua Fighters or Tekkens, which gives you a little bit of a sidestepping yeah. ability. It's not the same thing as something that's fully 3D, like a Power Stone would be a good touch point for that, which is a little bit more of like a, almost a, like a top-down bird's-eye perspective of a battlefield or, or like a three-quarters perspective. Um, but uh, as I've been, uh, I've been thinking about uh, Super Smash Bros. a lot lately. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I'm a huge fan of that franchise and I'm just kind of dying for it to come back to the Switch. Uh, and I've been thinking about like different ways that that franchise, franchise can grow and evolve. And I was thinking like maybe it could, it could transition from a 2D fighter into like a 3D fighter, kind of like a Power Stone. But then as I got to thinking more about how that would all work... I realized that the kind of uh, complex button inputs that you use in fighting games, uh, the kind of quarter circles and even the, um, you know, there's a lot of like up B combinations and smash bros, even stuff as simple as that would take on an entirely different 
uh, meaning, so to speak, in a 3D arena, you wouldn't have, uh, because you need all 360 degrees of the thumbstick to uh, be a representative of a positional coordinate as your character kind of rotates around. So you wouldn't be able to necessarily send a fireball with the same command that you would in Street Fighter and expect it to go in the direction that you want it to. Right. Unless you got really clever with those button combinations. So I, I'm, I'm interested in exploring ways to account for that, um, that perhaps control deficiency while yeah. still uh, setting this in a truly 3D environment. Yeah, so obviously that that last line i think makes the big difference there because mm-hmm. the the cheat that you could apply immediately is you're navigating a space perhaps uh, collecting upgrades or surviving gauntlets in a 3d space and then all of a sudden you know when you approach an opponent you find yourself in a more camera locked 2d mm, yeah. uh, fighting game experience which uh, you know, something like Absolver doesn't do uh, and, you know, For Honor doesn't do, but I think is is valid and an interesting way to approach that, um, especially it would be interesting for me to see, you know, fighting games seem so locked into stages and to have those mm-hmm. stages feel more like the Soulsian interconnected map that is mm-hmm. looping in on itself, I think is very interesting or, you know, Mortal Kombat's always had the a concept of a, a sort of tower that is being climbed. And so for descending parts of the tower or, or rather ascending parts of the tower, you're, you know, encountering these different enemies on your way. There was a game. It is probably not very well known called Distrega. Hmm, okay. And Distrega um, was an old PlayStation one fighting game. Uh, that allowed you to sort of run around in a 3D environment. It was kind of a very large battlefield, and it was almost entirely a long-range-based fighting game. In fact, you're spending most of the match throwing projectiles at each other and sort of dodging each other's projectiles. And that that kind of all ended with, depending on the attack, there was some level of homing that it would do. Mm. And if you actually go and look at gameplay, you can see that you're actually a little bit more able to do things like jump and dodge things in a way that maybe you wouldn't in a traditional 2D fighter. Yeah, I think the most the most successful implementation of a 3D fighting system that I've seen in the past, even though the games and their uh, mechanics are pretty simplistic by fighting game standards, are the Naruto fighting games, the naruto shippuden or whatever they are uh those are uh, those play kind of like an over-the-shoulder fighting game almost a little bit zoomed back from that but it's following one character primarily and then keeping the other player the other character kind of in the background but you can still see both characters is very cinematically angled all the cameras it follows the action really well and it's really easy for both players to play even though the camera is following one player primarily like it keeps both on screen and so it's really easy for both of them to uh, no one feels like they're at a disadvantage just because the camera's behind one of them and so that's one way to do it the uh pokken fighting games the one the bandai bandai namco produced pokemon fighting games in the tekken house are 
uh, similar to that, although they shift into 2D fighting games. If you activate some sort of a like a phase switch in battles, which can be easily switched in and out between 3D and 2D fights. So there there are ways to manage it. I would even love to see one of the things that you usually don't get in the traditional fighting games is the ability to have some level of persistence between matches. We've all gotten out of a match Mm. maybe by the skin of our teeth. And generally, unless it's a specific mode dedicated to this, um, I think Smash Brothers has done this before in the past with like continuing characters coming into the stage and your, you know, your health is just getting or your mm-hmm. percentage is just getting higher and higher. Um, but the ability that between matches, you actually have to deal with the amount of health that you've lost um, or you're you're finding upgrades and collectibles outside of matches that you're carrying into matches with you. Like what would a what would a you know, Street Fighter look like if one person was able to use something like a health potion <laughs> in the mm-hmm. middle of it. I think that would be an, a different dynamic that would allow for bad guys to feel, you know, opponents to feel more difficult. Um, and the game kind of expects you to have more items at your disposal than just simply uh, the traditional set of fighting moves, if you will. Let's try to really kind of hone in on what makes this idea unique. And I think that's the kind of contiguous environment that you're yeah. fighting in, this kind of Dark Soulsy type of environment, this this world that is continually like an adapting battlefield. Uh, and there's a few even fights in uh, the Dark Souls games that take place in a very large battlefield, like the final fight of the final DLC of Dark Souls 3 takes place in this huge arena full of hills and um you know flat plains and so there's really a lot of ways that you can use elevation to your favor there's a lot of ways that you can set up interesting battle arenas based on where in this world you choose to go so i think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of potential in that to set up for some interesting fights uh, almost like how uh, nidhog gets some cool kind of procedural story making moments going on in just a very simple mechanics very simple setup but throwing in just just enough of a environmental difference to uh, change the dynamics of a fight you know when i think about that sort of if you have a persistent environment and you can do things like environmental destruction or yeah perhaps there's a fight that the opponent that you were fighting was able to destroy a, a piece of you know platform or geometry that is really would have been very helpful for you to be successful in your next fight or likewise you're destroying them in such a way you know my earlier example of tossing someone against the spikes now that environment has been altered right there's you know it's not the spikes are not as deep you can't actually toss just unlimited people on spikes if you're dealing with the persistence of the world uh, when, when when you talk about this Dark Souls sort of open battlefield fight, how does the battlefield affect that particular, uh, outside of just like dodging and negotiating around it? Mm-hmm. Because I love the idea of dodging and, and blocking projectiles in the environment. The, the yeah. you know, ability to dive and duck behind something I think would be really, really neat. Right. In that particular case, since the enemy that you're fighting is fairly agile, and he can jump for long reaches of space is not quite as satisfying as it would be fighting something that's kind of your equal in skills and capabilities. Yeah. But um, 
you know, it, it does give you a certain amount of agency over, uh, you know, if you're more comfortable fighting in a flat playing space, if you're more comfortable keeping in a higher ground on your enemy, and it gives yeah. you some choice in where you fight this boss, which a lot of uh, Dark Souls enemies don't really allow you that opportunity. Yeah, I just wanted to have, I think what no fighting game has ever done for me is feel like it represents the breadth of cinematic mm-hmm. fighting arenas that are encountered typically in movies. Like, I would love to have a game that has fights in it that feel like, you know, a uh, like an open gambling casino where <laughs> people are jumping on tables and stuff. Yeah. And like some crouching uh, tiger, hidden dragon, like even a totally. multi-tiered, like a two or three story house or something exactly and then you uh, and you know you have great stuff like one of my favorite um sort of martial arts films is ong bak um and ip man and those those are those are movies where there's a lot of different places that fights are happening and sometimes they're you know sometimes they're in sections of the, the of this game potentially there are you know, you're in a circle pit and there's just guy after guy coming out of this pit to challenge you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then likewise, you can square that against something like in the matrix, the sort of subway fights where people are running off of walls and environments. So I Mm. think maybe, you know, if you take the combat of fighting and probably this will upset true fighting game fans, but simplified in a way where, you know, some level of punch and kicks are connecting with just a couple buttons and you can use other mm-hmm. buttons for more environmental interaction, whether that's running on the sides, mm, okay. if you have enough momentum or, you know, you know, jumping or even destroying pieces of environment um, that 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 could be more interesting than just the simple, you know, run up to some guy and then engage in what is a traditional fighting experience. Well, kind of genre-wide, the entire fighting game genre has been getting a lot more simple and accessible. So you might not be a million miles off on that one. But uh, as much as I feel like we've just kind of scratched the surface of this, we are out of time on that. So we have to seal up that book and give it a name. I'm thinking it's going to be something like fight world <laughs> or something fight world. it's like a theme park the fight world does sound like a theme park can you can you help <laughs> me out with some sort of good fighting pun perhaps i would almost love to invoke the idea of like pain or, or bruising like bruise haven yeah <laughs> something <laughs> bruise helm or or maybe we go german with it and just call it bruise house h-a-u-s Bruise house. I like that actually. <laughs> Find some creative way to spell bruise as well. Yeah, why not? <laughs> bruise house. Cool. That's a that's a good one. All Let right. Let's move on to our second pitch today. This one's coming from me. I think that you'll like this one a lot. Actually, I've been kind of saving it for this one. And uh, I was thinking about the player unknowns battlegrounds. It kind of opened up the doors to this. Um, this battle royale type of setting where a hundred players are dumped into a map. Uh, kind of naked and unequipped and they have to go and find armor and weapons to try to hunt each other down and so I was thinking like oh what are some interesting spins I can put on that genre Yeah. and uh, I initially thought oh it would be kind of neat if it was like a melee only you know if you're finding swords and baseball bats and stuff so you're not sniped from afar which would really change the way that you approach people and I thought you know maybe that's not quite interesting enough 
Uh, what if we say that there is melee combat, but your primary goal is, uh, is to go golfing? <laughs> so this is a battle royale golfing game where a bunch of golf balls just with all the players are dumped on the battlefield. There's a few holes that you have to scout out and find. And your ultimate goal is to knock all of those balls into the hole, just like you would do in any of the PGA games or Mario Golf or Everybody's Golf. Yeah, it's also, you have to be very careful because people could come up around and whack you on the head with a golf club and steal the shot that you set up. So, oh, so you can beat someone with your golf yeah, club? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you want to stay hidden. You want to kind of keep to the bushes until you see, uh, until you're able to find those golf balls and and uh, get a clear shot. But anyways, let's start the clock and see where we take this. Well, when I when I heard you say you were thinking about a spin on PUBG, I thought you and every other major <laughs> developer uh-huh. on the planet, but... This is the spin on PUBG that I am 100% ready to to start playing. <laughs> a golf green, 18 holes or something, is a reasonably large battlefield technically already. So do you imagine like you could have people dropped into all of the golf courses of the world, like those serve as the maps potentially for this thing? I don't necessarily want them to reflect real golf courses because I do want more hiding places. This is still primarily a game about not being seen in open areas. Sure. But you're kind of giving a counter incentive by the rules of golfing that it's easiest to hit a golf ball off of a flat green, which is out in the open. So, you know, if you want a really easy shot, then you're setting up for a risky encounter with whoever could be potentially watching around you. Uh, But if you just want to play it safe, and just uh, chip away from the bushes, you might get a, you know, a hole in 12, but, you know, it's better than getting knocked in the head with a golf club. <laughs> so how, how do you imagine, are, do you just have to sort of play every ball as it lies, or is it more a situation of you can kind of pick up these balls that are on the ground? Maybe, you know, you've, every once in a while you find one, you're like, oh, this is great, this is a shot to, you know... Actually oh, you definitely play, play them all as they lie. It's, oh, it's like that, uh, <laughs> that Mr. Bean sketch where he's chasing that golf ball all around the city. Yeah, perfect. But, um, yeah, so basically the golf balls don't belong to anyone. But as I've been thinking this through, I've been thinking maybe once you hit a golf ball, then you can, you have some sort of like a homing, like a sense of uh, where it is at any given point in time. Yeah. So the thing about it is that like the golf balls are fairly hard to see from afar you know that encourages people to really be mobile and to move around the map to potentially put themselves in risky areas to try to find these little white golf balls just kind of stuck in the grass on the map but once you hit one i don't want it to just be a case of like well there's no hole around me so i have no reason to hit it because then someone will just steal my shot and just put in a really easy hit So I want to give the people who take those risks early on an advantage, but also, you know, they're the ones that are taking more risks and uh, anyone could swing by and steal the shot if they get lucky enough to see it in the air. I don't know. Have you played a lot of PUBG at this point? No, I've I've not even uh, not even gotten into it at all. Well, this is great because one of my favorite one of my favorite aspects of PUBG is 
the the naked and afraid phase, obviously, uh-huh. <laughs> where you're running around and you're really looking for stuff and you kind of after playing it for a while, you kind of understand what a okay critical mass of equipment is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like, okay, I've got my helmet, I've got my vest or whatever, you know, I've got an, a semi-automatic weapon and something that has some range to it. So you, you end up understanding how like equipped you need to be. And so I love the idea of potentially everybody is parachuted in and, the things that they're looting around the environment is different golf clubs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so like you maybe your, you're your just... nine irons and your <laughs> sand wedges and your putters. <laughs> exactly. So if you end up with a ball in the sand and all you've got is this putter, you can kind of just whack away right, sort uh-huh. of haphazardly. <laughs> the way people are eliminated is they're murdered. What well, does... potentially, I don't know if I want, well... I keep going back and forth on that. I don't know if I want it to be like a one hit kill you're out for the game or because I mean, if you have a hundred players, then that does seem like the best way to do it because you do need to thin those crowds pretty quickly. Yeah. But if you're maybe running like a queue of 20, then uh, I guess a respawn after like a 15 second cooldown or something would be a little bit more. I just keep it competitive and keep it tense. Because if the goal, because in uh, in uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, the goal is to be the last surviving member, but in yeah. here the goal is to, I guess, get the best golf score. So <laughs> right, exactly. as you're going on in the battle, if people are permanently dying, then that goal is getting easier. And that's not really the uh, type of curve of uh, intensity curve that I want for each round. Right. I was thinking that there there's probably some... If you are going to have some idea of murder, potentially, it maybe let's say it takes <laughs> 20 whacks with a golf club, like some insane Ooh, wow. amount, you know, um, so there's a huge time to kill. But if you get a ball in a hole, maybe it like a little box opens up and there's a gun in it. <laughs> You know, maybe there's something where, like, the way to procure the best weapons is actually to golf into, you know, a Mm. hole. So, like, if you if you're the guy that's able to golf correctly the soonest in the match, then you'll have, you know, you'll be able to put up some big numbers as you kind of, you know, get like a gun with 20 bullets in it and then literally the bullets are gone <laughs> the guns over and if you or maybe it you know maybe it's 10 bullets it's some small amount of bullets enough to maybe kill you know just two or three people and then suddenly you find yourself having to golf again for a weapon mm. and so if if the beginning phase of the game is people getting their clubs and then golfing <laughs> you kind of have this like you know, you're seeing the enemies on the battlefield and there's this gentleman's agreement of like, we're not going to try and beat each other to death because we're both trying to golf to get guns <laughs> to shoot each other <laughs> to death. Yeah, I guess the initial challenge that I went into this with is like find something that's entirely like melee based. And so, yeah, you know, oh, as, right. as we get back into guns, it starts to kind of drift towards the uh, the actual PUBG again. Yeah, a kind of a regression towards the mean, as it were. As I want to kind of encourage the golfing to be the primary aspect. I do like to keep the melee attacks fairly lethal so that you are really encouraged to not stand out in the open because if you know you can take 20 hits, then that's enough time to get off a good golf swing to line it up even if somebody's actively boshing away at you. Sure, maybe you could do something where 
I believe PUBG has a uh, some physics that suggest if you are sort of running and mm-hmm. melee hit someone, you get far more oh, bang yeah, for yeah. your buck. Okay. And I love the idea of because lining up a golf shot can can actually take some amount of time. Uh, so if you're trying to like literally, you know, three point line up and take the <laughs> shot and just hear, you know, yeah yeah (laughs) oh that's a perfect kind of moment this is built for exactly like oh i you know i I was in the middle of my backswing when somebody just cracked me with a nine iron yeah yeah, i really like that so i'm just trying to figure out unless the holes are really like if the ball drops are really evenly distributed Mm -hmm. um to like typical say par four golf holes then I think it would really stink to start golfing a golf ball into a direction where I'm I'm not necessarily sure mm, yeah. where the hole is. There should be roughly like one in every direction, so to speak, but you're not going to know exactly where it is unless you kind of scout ahead. Okay. One thing that I do want to add to this is that there absolutely should be golf carts scattered across the course oh, that course. just like in PUBG, you can you can <laughs> run into and you can take the golf cart and then you have a huge advantage because you're much more mobile, but you're also a lot more visible. So, you know, there's that. I was also thinking that it would be interesting to have like duos matches where someone is your caddy. Like maybe you're only able to hold one or two different clubs mm-hmm. uh, on yourself at a time. But if you have a caddy with you, they can potentially hold many more clubs for you, but they themselves maybe can't engage in combat. Um, <laughs> so they're uh, kind of running like around. Those, like, um, those helpers, uh, I don't remember what they're called, the puns from uh, Dragon's, Dragon's Dogma. Yes, Anyways, yes, they're kind yes, of yes. like little subhuman not to say anything about people who make caddying a profession but no right you know just being kind of slightly dumb ai i think would be a fun spin on the situation <laughs> uh, but anyways that's uh, as much fun as this has been that is enough time spent on this particular <laughs> ah. game let's come up with a name for this you you could just go for a straight rip of like golfer unknowns battle greens <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's very good <laughs> That's, oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping that. Yep. Okay. Claiming that as my own. <laughs> we have one more to go. And of course, this comes from the community. If you would like to submit one of your own and uh, have us tear it to shreds, we're always constructive. We don't ever tear anything down, but we do often change it along the way. We often uh, try to build from what you have in, uh, in whatever way that we can. Especially if all you send is a sketch, then we really do a lot <laughs> of building. Yes. Uh, you can email us at playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. That'll take you straight to the pitching portal or just.com to go to our homepage with all of our episodes and a uh, bunch of supplemental material as well. Anyways, this pitch comes from Thomas Eiff, who says, A simple pitch for you today. A fighting game where the moveset unlocks when you fulfill certain conditions in a fight trigger specific states i.e. one fighter has a particularly devastating jump kick, but it only unlocks if you successfully block and counter your opponent X number of times. Should help limit the attack spamming and even give the playing field for newbies versus those powerhouses who make playing online a full-time job. What do you think? This reminds me of a game that we've talked about before. It was something to do with, with letters 
Does that sound familiar? There's some, yes. some sort of like a letter or word based fighting game where you're completing three or four letter words to uh, complete attacks. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes, we had we had totally pitched this, and that <laughs> My was early onset dementia is not helping me now. <laughs> well, we didn't pitch this exact idea, but the no, yeah, sort right. of I, I think we called it spell check, like button checks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a kind of building up your skills as yeah. you progress through the fight and kind of gaining more skills and being limited and restricted in certain certain portions of the fight. I really love the idea of taking a fighting game and it's we've got a lot of death and destruction going into into 2018, huh? Um I love the idea of taking a fighting game and sort of adding on a layer that feels like uh a MOBA essentially right Mm -hmm. where mobas have these controlled matches maybe they're you know 20 to 40 minutes and throughout the course of the match you go from level one through you know 10 or whatever and throughout the match you're kind of selecting new powers um that unlock so the idea of a Mm -hmm. fighting game where people have a lot of health or they're um, trying to execute particular moves in order to build up and unlock new powers or moves is really, really cool. So the challenge that I see there is that if the person who is doing the best is rewarded with more moves, and that's potentially making the already better player even more lethal, which is kind of going against the traditional sense of balancing on the fly. Uh, There's the opposite approach of like the Mario Kart way where the people in last place go a lot faster and get better items and are kind of rubber rubber banded. That that always feels a bit bit cheap as well. And so the only thing that I can really think of off the top of my head, and I would love to be refuted on this uh, and, you know, grow my sense of what this could be. But um, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is that the new attacks that you're getting are only kind of uh, qualitatively different, like a real lateral step from what you're already able to do because you know then it wouldn't upset the balance but it also wouldn't really strongly incentivize you to pursue those extra abilities um there's a few like there's um the uh what do they call the uh x gauge in the uh marvel versus capcom 3 i think there's some kind of late game uh, or late round uh, bonuses that you can um, trigger that would make you stronger, that can give you uh, make you faster, it can make give you access to stronger moves and such. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know how that how that works. Um, just kind of building up your move set as you go. How, how does this strike you? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Where if you create a system where you're constantly rewarding the person who does better, it's going to you know, accelerate that <laughs> uh, amount of time. But I think if you think of it in a way of person who is playing a certain way is maybe like you said has a has a skill or an ability that makes them change the fighting style i love the idea of having two distinct fighters that you know so so many times in fighting games you have like oh i'm gonna pick this fighter because they're good at like grappling they're good at distance or whatever and Hmm. take that person and say okay well once they, maybe it doesn't work up, maybe once they lose some amount of life, they start to play in a different way, right? So yeah. it's almost like, I know that I'm going to pick a fighter that has a out-the-gate advantage, but then as he kind of hits his, 
you know, three quarters mark. He is going to become a lot more of a defensive kind of fighter. Um, and then, you know, once I'm down to half, I'm going to have to change and it becomes a lot more advantageous for me to use ranged attacks or I, I get a different skill that makes it such that I'm going to be changing the way I play in that phase. And of course, like you can't really, maybe you can, but in my mind, you wouldn't want to necessarily have this be a, a, a span of match time that feels more like 90 seconds and feels Mm -hmm. feels probably more like five minutes (laughs) to Mm. have a fight with a much much more health so you can have distinct phases right maybe it's such that somebody is so good at a particular phase of a fighter that they're able to defeat everybody in that phase but I, i i like the idea of oh if i can only break this you know opponent out of the sort of phase that they're in or the set of abilities that they have by getting them just down enough in health, then they'll be forced to play a different way that maybe they're not comfortable playing. Hmm. I don't want to ignore. I think the most interesting thing that Thomas brings into this pitch is the, uh, the idea that you're fulfilling certain conditions to trigger these state changes. So, you know, it's not that you're just fighting and if you're doing well, then you'll get those, uh, those changes. You're actually pursuing certain, almost like achievement hunting, but in the space of one round. And so that does give you a bit of freedom as to uh, like character development mid-match, which is actually super interesting. Uh, If you think about a lot of uh, uh, fighting game tournaments are kind of largely based on tiers. There's an understanding that, oh, you know, Chun-Li can beat this character, but this character can beat Vega. And so you don't want to be, you know, if your opponent selects this character, then you don't want to be this character. And and so what if these characters could really branch out in their fighting styles based on what they choose to do? And so if you know that your character is weak to a certain fighting style, then you can try to keep the person from specifically grappling you three times, which is what he needs to do to uh, evolve in that specific direction. Yeah, I mean, I think that would make a very interesting, like thinking of it from the lens of Evo. Yeah, of the like, metagame. oh, <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, Chun Li got those three, if you know, throws in, and now she's going to be able to X Y Z. And that is, you know, potentially devastating for uh, the opponent or whatever. That's that's really cool. I I think the reason why I went to the phases thing is because I I was trying to, you know, work through not giving someone, you know, not necessarily always having it be additive and therefore the person that's doing the best. But maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe to really get something really good. Um, or something that um, I believe the technical term would be OPAF uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to, to get O-path. that thing. Yeah. Um, maybe you, you know, you have to use a technique or, or execute a set of things that really means you might be taking it on the chin. Right. So now you get the risk reward of, okay, I guess I, I'm only going to throw high punches because I have to get a certain amount of their health yeah, down yeah. with high punches um, and, and they have to successfully land, right? So if this person's mm-hmm. blocking high punches the whole match, uh, and they know to do that because it's going to stop this person from getting their, their new ability, that that's a really fun way to do it. I think. So there's a certain amount of trying to goad them into letting their defenses down. 
because you know what they're after as well. So there's a lot of good kind of mental game going on here. Yeah, I can see the little uh, almost abilities MMO style in little squares or circles underneath my health bar mm-hmm. with little meters ticking up every time I successfully do the thing until you see it unlock and everyone, you know, the entire crowd is like, oh, no, he's got it. He's <laughs> got the he's got the thing. And everybody knows that's the thing that you're able to beat everybody with. Um, so it would be kind of fun to play as like robots or something that can transform And so, you know, as you change, like your body is physically changing to these different shapes and it's a good visual indication that you've made that transition, that you have different abilities now. And it's a good good, uh, indication for the audiences who are watching on Twitch or in the audience to, uh, to be able to track the fight a lot cleaner. It's funny you said robots, because that's exactly where I was thinking in my head of these, like, as they take enough damage, maybe Mm -hmm. a, you know, a piece flies off of them and it exposes a gun that you didn't see before or, (laughs) you know, um, or they're, they're able to like press a button that was now exposed and activate their shielding that gives them some sort of crazy advantage or something like that. I always like when, as you're doing worse in a fight, you become more uh, reckless and, you know, because you have less to lose at that point. It's kind of like in Pokemon, how if you exhaust the points that you need to use any of your moves, uh, then you automatically struggle, which is a, you know, a kind of medium powerful attack, but it also hurts yourself. And so there's this idea that because the Pokemon is out of things to do, it's just kind of recklessly throwing its body into the ring and just trying to, you know, take whatever bit of the opponent it can while it's still around. Yeah. And so much of this, I I feel like is flying in the face of, and I think rightfully should that idea of, I watched Evo for the first time this past year. And the fact that you can like hit someone enough for them to become stunned in street fighter. Yeah. Felt so like, crazy to me because i was like what (laughs) this person obviously is already doing better so it was almost like a countdown until you were able to stun the opponent Mm. and so for someone to be doing really well and that's why i was thinking about the sort of degrading health system of someone to be doing so well that they know that they're going to trigger um something in their opponent to make their opponent more powerful. Perhaps it's it even would become a strategy, right? To mm-hmm. um, purposely lose your health down to half because you're relying on some ability that you know is, is in your skill tree oh, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that you can, you're like, okay, well I'll let them take half, but, and then that's the risk, but I'm going to get this really effective tactic in return. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, we're out of time for that one. Thomas comes in with a name for this one. He calls it Kill Tree. It's a pun on Skill Tree, which I like. So, we'll <laughs> yes, keep it. very good. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Thomas wrote in possible name Kill Tree, and then as as almost a little wink in parentheses, as in Skill Tree. We saw where <laughs> you're going with that, Thomas. We like it. Yeah, right. We we never mind a good pun name. <laughs> Anyways, if you would like to send in your pitches, we've already told you where to do that. That is playwrightcast.com, playwrightcast at gmail.com. 
And uh, we're down to about four or five left. So, you know, we, we, they go up and down. They kind of wax and wane as we put out calls for more, uh, more community pitches. But if you would like to submit yours now, then it will be read fairly soon in the next couple months or so. H, special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. It's very good. Everybody should go check it out. Very cool. And to take us out of the show today, why don't you give us a miniature idea to make up for the week that you missed last week? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the idea is going to be very strange, but I'm going to leave you with this. Boxing Day, but with a UFC spin. That's great because as an American, I know exactly what Boxing Day entails. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye.